And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com covering Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I am Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Our newsroom is kept in tip-top shape by the one and only news editor, Linda Stein. Linda, you're cracking the whip today as usual, yes? Of course, Michael. Make sure people wash their mugs. It always annoys everyone when you have coffee and then no one washes their mugs. So make sure that 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 happens. Listen, Linda, we've had a lot of great guests here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast, but we're going to make history today. Do you know why? Um, not sure. Why? Well, well, first of all, I'm not going to have to screw up and start over again. So that'll be amazing for the first time. Second thing is we've never had a guest make more than one appearance on the podcast until now. Senator Bob Mensch of Montgomery County was one of our very first podcast guests when Delaware Valley Journal just launched. We're still the new kids on the block, and he is here for a repeat performance. Senator Mensch, welcome. So glad to have you. Well, thank you. Um, it's great to make history. <laughs> you did. It's happened right here. I'm sure there's some awards prize. What, what, what does he win, Linda? A set of steak knives? Do we do we know? Does he get the home version of the game to take home with him? Does that what he gets? Michael, Maybe. I got a dirty coffee cup. <laughs> well, Linda has a bunch of Linda has a bunch of news related questions to ask you. Uh, here, but uh, as many people know, uh, you're you're finishing up your illustrious term. You're not running for re-election. We want to definitely want to catch up on what you think is happening in the race to uh, to. We can't fill your seat because it's not possible to fill you, but the person to, to, to fill that district. But I was talking to someone about you the other day and they were bemoaning the fact that you were retiring and they said that they liked you and the person is not a Republican. And I said, well, why? And they said, well, he's a Joe Manchin Republican. And I was trying to think, and I'll ask you, Senator, is that an insult to you or an insult to Joe Manchin? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get, I get what he was trying to say was, that you struck you 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 have a reputation of being someone who works across the aisle, who's had you know okay, you know has run-ins with his own party, but uh, has kind of your own you're, you're you're marching to your own political drummer. Is that a what do you think of that description of you? Yeah, I, I like to think that uh, I exercise my own thought, my own authority. Um, I like to um, I like to get things done. I want to get have accomplishments, uh, things that benefit the citizens. From from my political perspective, which is pretty conservative, uh, but I can't do that uh, without some uh, help and cooperation through the building. So, yeah, I reach across the aisle when I need to and uh, try to try to strike some balances on, on ideas and, and legislation. I think it's been successful. Senator, um, Governor Wolf uh, wants to uh, give two thousand dollars to families that are making eighty thousand or less uh would that be inflationary do you think uh along with his uh efforts to um solely legislate reggie or regional gas house uh, initiative um which will increase electric costs by 40 percent yeah this is just one more effort to um i i think will will have a negative impact on the economy by um, promoting even further uh, inflation. I, I don't think that's the only lens we want to look at it through, though. But, uh, you know, there, I'm sure there are some people that are in need uh, and, and could use $2,000. Um, one of the things that, that would be smart if you were really proposing a genuine um, uh, proposal would be a needs-based assessment. It's not just the $80,000. That right. that in itself is not a needs assessment. That's a threshold 
Uh, I think that there, uh, there are people at the bottom of that spectrum that mm, could benefit. So yeah. you say other pr- other prisms. So when you say other prisms to look at it through, obviously one thing people are very concerned about is the inflation aspect. And uh, there, if you look at polls, a lot of Americans believe that government spending has added to this inflation that we had starting after the Biden administration began. What other prism would you look at these expenditures from? Um, government uh, routinely does not look at the effect next year and the following year of any spending in this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that we didn't spend all the uh, ARPA money, and we have until the end of 2024, there, there needs to be no rush to spend all this money. This is right. a wanton proposal by the Democrats. Um, we, we have two years plus to still spend the money, but we need it for balancing next year's budget. Every economic projection we have from an independent agency as well as our own internal agencies tell us that we, if we spent it all in this fiscal year, we will create deficits in each of the succeeding years. Um, during the, uh, the last decade, we, we uh, fought back deficit spending every year with the budget. Uh, we did it successfully and we did it without raising taxes. But to be, and that's because we always had a little bit of reserve somewhere. To spend all of this money now would just penalize us next year and the following year. So the people that, that they say they want to help with $2,000 will actually end up with more taxes, less income, greater inflation, yet again next year and the following year and the following year after that. So it, it just isn't smart to spend all of this money in this fiscal year. So that's, that's a lens that I look at. Well, um, uh, Senator, um, uh, employer, employers uh, like restaurants and other small businesses are saying they're desperate to... Uh, get employees and they're just not finding people willing to work with this two grand keep people in their homes still? Oh, without a doubt. Um, you know, we thought after the, uh, the $600 additional uh, unemployment compensation from the federal government ceased, we'd see people return to their right. work and they just haven't because uh, they're still relying on unemployment compensation from the state. This will just exacerbate that even further and give them uh, greater incentive not to return to the workforce. Uh, and, you know, the one thing that we all share, it, it doesn't matter who your party is, what, what your uh, um, ethnicity is, right. what your religion is, the one thing that we all share is the economy. And it affects each of us equally. So if we are attempting to really help one another, we're going to do things that are going to promote a much healthier and more progressive economy, one that is going to lift all boats, if you will, uh, by selectively giving money that that only contributes to inflation and deficit spending in future years, doesn't help our society one bit. It puts us beyond the hole. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Normally, I would say, oh, my gosh, inflation, that's the number one concern. But the more you spend time talking to business owners, they are so desperate for workers. And one of the things they say is, they have employees who left during COVID who haven't come back. And that one of the things they've learned is that people, if you know, people are willing to make cuts in their own lifestyle, they can figure out a way to not have to work. And I mean, if I can, if I can spend the day not working and I've got a little bit of money from over here in a government program, a little bit of money on my credit card I haven't used yet, a little bit of money in the mattress, people will pace that together and they'll live in a lifestyle where they can avoid work. And then the second thing is, that the notion that you should work, the notion of the nobility of work, which is something a lot of people on the right believe in, 
there are plenty of people on the left who just don't. I remember uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi back during the uh, uh, Obamacare fight saying that wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to go to a job and you could stay home and write poetry. Right? And look, I got nothing against poetry and music, whatnot, <laughs> but productive, meaningful work that adds to your sense of self-worth while adding to the overall economy that you just said is important. Do you get a sense from your constituents that the notion of the need for work on both ends has eroded? And are you concerned that continuing to send out money sends out that message? Hang on. There's more money to keep you at home on the way. There, there's a changing attitude. Yeah. Throughout the district, uh, throughout the state, throughout the nation. You know, one of the things that made America and Pennsylvania uh, successful in the, in the past is, is the um, work ethic that we all shared. And everyone believed that you, you went and got a job and, and provided for yourself and, and provided your own economic growth. Uh, that's a, a pretty good definition of, of capitalism. However, uh, since the pandemic, uh, people have given up a lot of freedoms, a lot of uh, personal worth to um, enjoy this uh, more relaxed lifestyle, at least they think it is, but one that, that I think leads as much toward um, an anti-capitalism or pro-socialism uh, position. Mm -hmm. We have people that are willing to give up their freedoms to let the government do it all. Right. Uh, government is, you know, governments are inefficient. Governments don't do anything well. Look at the pandemic, the management of that. We messed that up terribly. But the reason that governments are always inefficient is they have no competition. Mm -hmm. You only have one state government. So it's going to do what it can do in the way that it does it. And it's generally inefficient. That's not a reflection on the people and the government so much as it, it just is that's the way, in a very lethargic way, that, that government works. We're translating that to the people. Mm -hmm. We're saying it's okay to stay home. The government's going to do it all for you. But oh, by the way, you've got to give up your freedoms. Well, that's pretty scary there, Senator. Um, I'm sorry? I said, Senator, that's pretty scary. Actually, it reminds me a little bit of uh, John Fetterman. <laughs> oh, oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> talk about a uh, trust fund baby. Uh, yeah. And by the way, we have we have a governor that, that uh, similarly really is it was a trust fund person and, and had no real business experience, despite what he says. Uh, Fetterman has even less business experience, less yeah, I don't, I don't know how they can understand you, Linda, or understand me or understand Michael, because they've never been in our position. They haven't had to work. They haven't had to compete. They haven't had to provide for themselves. It's always been there. It's been available to them. And that's another problem with government today. We, we have the, the oligarchy taking over government. You know, it's, you, can, you have to be rich to be able to run for an office. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a rich guy. So, you know, I, I went out and I really pounded doors and I, I talked to citizens and I, I, when I had to raise money, I, you know, I wasn't afraid to grovel and beg, but it's, uh, <laughs> pardon me, but I think that's, that's a really good process to be in government um, because you're, you're always in touch with the people that you're trying to serve. Well, Senator, um, Michael had mentioned that this is uh, your last term. And what are yeah. your legislative priorities in the last few months you have in office? Um, I'm working on a scholarship program that doesn't cost the state one penny for uh, one of the schools I attended, the Valley Forge Military. Um, Great. And uh, we, we have available ROTC monies that are already coming to the state and are unspent. 
um, every year. And so we return it to the government. We're going to use some of that money. Um, and it's, it's a way of processing future officers for the Pennsylvania National Guard. As you, you've uh, read recently, we're having more difficulty as a nation recruiting people into law enforcement, into military, and so forth. And, you know, it's all related to the, this, the things we've already talked about, the, the um, economy and the mindset that government today is establishing for our people. So this is a way of, of helping to bring leadership into the national, additional leadership, future leadership into the Pennsylvania National Guard. Um, as you know, I've, I've uh, done uh, three successive bills to uh, improve insurance coverage and medical coverage for um, breast cancer. And I am working on a fourth bill right now. And we would like to see that get off across the finish line. Um, I know we don't have all the stakeholders in place yet, but uh, we're working very aggressively right. on that as well. So let's talk a little uh, rank politics since you know no one can get you now. You're on your way out the door, Senator. You can finally <laughs> unload. Tell the truth. Um, and let's start locally. How does the race look to uh, fill your seat? Are Republicans going to hold it in the upcoming legislatures? Uh, State Representative Penichuk, is she uh, running a, a hard campaign? Um. Representative Pentecook is running for the seat. Oh, thank you. Thank you for correcting my pronunciation, by the way. I yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I mispronounced it the first couple of times and she quickly corrected me. So, and she's a military <laughs> veteran, person. so I don't she's mess just, with her. I do no, not she's mess an with incredible her. Person. She really is. She's so talented, so smart, so um, life experienced. She'll be an incredible uh, representative for the people in the 24th district of the Pennsylvania Senate. Um, and yes, uh, I, I truly believe that she will be there. Um, I, I don't see a reason why she can't get elected. And, and the, uh, the mood in the, in the district, as well as the polling in the district, would suggest that uh, she's an odds-on favorite for the, for the seat. Now, someone who's not enjoying such good odds, uh, Republican gubernatorial nominee, uh, State Senator uh, Doug Mastriano, who you serve with. Uh, what do you tell me your view of that race, particularly coming from the southeast corner of the state where the politics don't line up with a lot of the rest of the state? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, some of the policies that have been espoused by the campaign um, don't uh, line up as well in the southeast uh, of, the, of the state. And that's not just Republicans, that's Democrats and independents as well. Um, to win you know, to win uh, the governorship in Pennsylvania, and, and Rendell used to say this all the time, you need to win uh, seven counties. Um, five of those counties are right here in the Southeast. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, to, to be successful, I think Doug has to do a lot more campaigning. And, and uh, I think he's got to adapt his style to, to what the voters expect. It, it's not always just what the, the candidate expects. Um, and I think he's got to improve on his fundraising. Uh, with that said, uh, some polls have he and uh, Shapiro relatively close. Um, some of the polls have them 10 points apart. Polling has become uh, less of an exact science right. uh, through the, uh, the evolution of communications. You know, well, what, do you, what, do your what do your constituents think of Mastriano? Oh, it's very mixed. Uh, there's a, um, there, there is a large presence here in my district supporting Mastriano. Uh, his uh, Southeast office was just uh, open here, uh, I believe yesterday or Monday um, in, in uh, Pennsburg, Pennsylvania. It's, it's a mile from where I sit. Okay. So, you know, there, there is quite a heartbeat here for, uh, for Doug Mastriano. 
And and I like uh, a lot of what Doug is is talking about. I really do. Um, I I can't be favorable toward uh, Josh Shapiro, not only because of party affiliation, but uh, I disagreed so much with the policy initiatives of of Tom Wolf, right. and uh, I believe that uh, uh, Shapiro will just be an extension of those policies. And I, I think it's really wrong for these the freedoms of our people in this state. And what about uh, uh, Dr. Oz? I was uh, talking to a political observer uh, yesterday, and he said that he's not surprised that Oz is trailing now because he just had you know, months of attacks from his fellow Republicans, and that that drove away Republican voters. The good news for Oz is that Republican voters are going to tend to come home. And so he thinks that people are panicking a little too early about the race. At the same time, he acknowledged uh, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman is very charismatic, and there are Trump voters who are low motivation voters who see in him their own style. They hear their voice and they they're attracted to him. And they also think that the uh, carpetbagger attack on Dr. Oz is effective as well. Your thoughts on that race? I, I think Oz has to do a better job of getting out his message. He is a, um, a very smart man, very accomplished uh, a doctor in his field, he, he uh, has great significant uh, or many significant achievements, uh, but he's got to get out his political platform, his political message. He's campaigning against a man who who has one or two policy issues. You know, uh, Fetterman's biggest issue is he wants to uh, legalize marijuana. Uh, you, you would expect that someone who's running for my to, to be my U.S. senator right. would have more than one initiative. <laughs> he, he ought to care about the people in his, in his district for a lot of different reasons. He talks about Braddock and what he's done in Braddock. Drive through Braddock, uh, no one sees any improvement. Mm -hmm. he, his his ad one ad says he he has uh, uh, changed the uh, the job of the lieutenant governor. If that means he doesn't know what he's doing after four years <laughs> and he's still incompetent at being the the president of the the senate, yes, then he's changed the job. He just doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I'm relatively unimpressed with him. Senator, um, what are you planning to do after you retire? Uh, Linda, $64,000 question. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of time to find out again who I am. Uh, and, and I have some travel plans uh, set forth. Uh, I've got a couple of offers, things I'm thinking about, but nothing that I have committed to at this point. Have you thought about journalism? Any interest uh, in, uh, in journalism, in the press? We could use a fresh... Direct voice at Delaware Valley Journal. Um, well, um, Michael, maybe we can talk. <laughs> that would certainly be something that I, I could do easily. Um, I just haven't made up my mind on, on what it is exactly. I have a lot of hobbies. I'm going to pursue a couple of those hobbies. And um, just, you know, it's been 51 years, give or take. I've gotten up every morning and put on a shirt and tie. Um, 16 of those last, the, the last 16 years we're here in the, uh, the legislature. I, I just want to slow down a little bit to find out who Bob is again. You know, this, this job changes you. It makes you uh, probably more partisan than you want to be, uh, who you really are. So uh, I just want to find out who, who Bob is again. I predict uh, Harrisburg correspondent for Delaware Valley Journal. Well, that's just a prediction. <laughs> State Senator Bob Mensch, thanks so much for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. We really appreciate your time. Michael, thank you. Linda, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Senator, so much.
Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.